Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, listen, they want me to say hello. Welcome to the James Well Best Bits of Tonight's show, which you can hear every night, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio from 7 till 10. But I said, wouldn't it be best to call it the worst of whale? So have a listen. See what you think. Paul Burstow, Conservative MP for Peterborough. Paul, good evening. Good evening. If you want uh, one, I've got one. Uh, well, that's very A kind mask. of you. Yeah. Um, that's, that, 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 that's very kind of you. Um, but I think they're probably best in the hands of key workers and NHS front, uh, frontline staff. I think you're right. Like me and yeah. Phil, yeah. Like me and Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Sorry about this, Paul. Uh, now, That's listen, right. um, the the curve does seem to be going downwards, doesn't it? It's quite exciting. Uh, and um, the Prime Minister said today we are into or getting into the second phase now. Uh, do you think that things are going to change in the next... I mean, I don't see them changing the next couple of weeks, but how long before there is a little movement on our restrictions? Uh, yeah, well, it's, a, it's an important point, and it's uh, one that everybody... It is asking, but you know, I think it would be remiss of government to try and give those forward predictions. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how things are going to change. This has been a moving beast since day one, with changing challenges and changing, uh, changing. Uh, we're learning more about the disease, coronavirus, each and every day. So the time has got to be right uh, when we relax yeah. those things, and uh, that's why the five tests uh, have been put in place and i'm sure we will begin to see relaxation when uh, the government are sure that those five tests have been met i mean they're they're doing quite a bit of relaxing now in france and some in spain aren't they sure i mean they they're, they're taking <clears throat> their own um, advice but the worst thing that <clears throat> we can do of course is begin to signal uh, send the signal that things are, are becoming easier because we want the key message remains the same we want people to stay at home protect the NHS and to save lives. I mean, the real risk here is a secondary peak. And I think we're already beginning to see from Germany, who have mm. um, eased their lockdown, they've actually seen a spike in infection. And that's the last thing we want, because lots of people have predicted at the start of this that the NHS wouldn't cope, we wouldn't be able to have the ICU beds, we wouldn't um, be able to have the capacity there in the NHS. And we have. The NHS has coped. Now, it's early days. I don't want to... You know, before this thing is over. But at the same time, we, sure. the NHS has performed remarkably. And the last thing we want to do is put all of that at risk for the second spike. Yeah. Mm. I, I couldn't agree more, but um, you probably have, uh, have noticed there is a, a beginning uh, a feeling amongst the public that 
Uh, they're really coming to the end of their uh, their tether, both because of their businesses, yeah. their jobs, and everything else. Well, I can appreciate that. And if we, well, not if, when we come through this, it won't be because of anything um, that politicians like me have said. It will be because of the British people that they've done the right thing. They've stayed at home, they've protected the NHS, they've saved lives, and they've put their own, you know, often their own work you know, second and their own responsibilities second, and they've stayed at home, which has been absolutely astounding, really. But a lot of, a lot of criticism has been labelled about, oh, we didn't lock down early enough. That was key, doing the right thing at the right time. So we didn't get people, as you quite rightly say, getting sick of it and, and not beginning to observe the social distancing mm. and the lockdown, which is so absolutely crucial. The right thing at the right time. Yeah, but it wasn't that sensible. There was, there was the, the, the horse racing that went on. There was a the stereophonics. There was a lot of things that did that were a bit late. Pubs weren't shut early enough. But you were advised well, to stay away from them and stuff like that. It, yeah, we were. And, and obviously, as I said to you, this has been a changing beast since day one. And yeah. the advice that uh, government ha have followed has been that scientific advice. These haven't been political decisions. They have been no. scientific no. decisions and, and decisions based upon the evidence. But I think it was important that we only told people to make this draconian move, to stay in, to not go to work, not to see their loved ones. Um, only when we felt it was absolutely necessary or when the government felt it was absolutely necessary. Hmm. Um, did you, you probably have, the, the story today about P&O Ferries, um, where the owner of P&O Ferries, who I think is a very wealthy, uh, I'm not sure if he's a Saudi or from one of the Middle Eastern countries, uh, um, saying he thinks the government have been very slow, they're not doing a very good job, very critical of the government, wants them to give him millions of pounds, uh, to save the business. I think that's a really rude and out of order. Well, I'm not entirely familiar with the uh, financial position of P&O Ferries or, <laughs> or the financial position of the, of the gentleman that's uh, in question. But what I will say is that no government in the world has put in the economic package that this government has. It's just been Absolutely. extraordinary. You know, the, the checkbook is open, those checks have been written, and up and down the country, businesses have been saved because of the actions taken you know, by this government. And yes, there are always going to be some people who are not entirely happy with this or that. But overall, my post bag, my inbox has been filled with businesses wanting to know how to access funds. And at the end of it, incredibly grateful for the support that this government has delivered. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Dr Barrett Pancanya, who is a senior clinical lecturer at the University of Exeter Medical School. Our favourite virologist. Uh, he's... I don't know that he's a... Oh, is he not a senior clinical he? lecturer? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, but he might be. Doctor, good evening to you, sir. Good evening, gentlemen. It's infectious disease expert. Ah, oh, that's even better. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and easier to say. That's very good. E yes, rather than virologist. But anyway, um, now it, a lot of depressing stories coming out. My friend here, Ash, has just said we're doing worse than other countries in Europe. There are yeah. more people dying. Just a minute, Ash, uh, dying here now uh, than there are in France and uh, Spain and Italy. Um, are we are we making some huge mistakes at the moment? I think so, and it's so sad for me to even say it, but I have been saying for a little while that if in doubt, why not look at who is doing better and then emulate their program. So I'm very much um, impressed by the German approach. Uh, Germany's population is a lot bigger than ours, and if you look at their 
uh, number of people dead is a lot smaller, a lot less than uh, the UK numbers. And what the Germans are doing is uh, acting early, acting fast and acting across the board. Um, one thing that has really impressed me about them and really depresses me about uh, what we are not doing here in the UK is monitoring people who are told to monitor at home because they appear to be okay, but have a coronavirus infection. Mm. Um, we need to monitor these people and make sure they remain okay. And if they are deteriorating, uh, pick them out of their home and get them to hospital sooner rather than later. Yes, because I've heard yeah. a, a couple of stories where people think they're better and the next day they die. They, it suddenly comes back. You're so right. Yes. And I have also come across exactly that. And it distresses me because I feel I wonder if we had monitored them, would that result have been a better outcome, you know, yeah. um, and only clinicians who are trained in this business uh, can pick up subtle signs. And there aren't enough clinicians to go around, but we can do better of monitoring so many people at home. Mm. Well, why do you think we're not? I think the National Health Service has been stretched and cut to the bare bones over the last 20 years, not 10, 20. Mm -hmm. And we are fragmented and uh, we haven't got the resources. Having said that, James, um, I was in conversation with a fellow GP only a few minutes ago and he was telling me, we wish to be involved, we wish to be engaged, we wish to be included in your control plans. So this was a director of GP hmm. uh, services here in Bristol who was having a conversation with me, telling me, uh, why are you not using us as a resource? And I said, yeah, very good, fair point. Uh, because as you know, when your GP calls you and says, Mr. Smith, how are you? Are you better? How is your breathing? It counts for volumes. Yeah. And you will yeah. listen to your GP more than you will listen to 111. I mean, I think they're, they're basing policy on... Because, like, they're not saying we should all wear masks, and we've already talked about this, and it sort of makes common sense that everyone should be wearing masks. But do you think they're saying that because there's not, if everyone, there's not enough masks to, for everyone to have it? So it sort of it covers them. Well, I would say, look, set aside semantics, because I would say for members of the public, in a public setting, you do not need to use clinical masks. No. You can have uh, the homemade variety, mm. it's just covering your nose and mouth. It's not a big deal. You don't need mm. uh, the surgical stuff for clinical settings. Yeah, yeah. we talked about that before, Ash. I told you we're going to get yeah, but bandanas, But they right? still haven't told, the government Goodness haven't sake. told everyone to, to do that. They still haven't. I know. Well, they have, I don't know if why. You, if, you, if you want to do it, they have said you could do it, and it might be a good idea. Well, because they're, they're medical, presumably they're advisors, are saying it isn't necessary unless you are in a crowded place. It isn't necessary. But I bet um, they say it's I necessary think... soon. I bet, I bet they do. Well, and we'll Sage, see. Sage is I saying mean... they should, I think. Yeah. I think so. And, and, and we would also look at the membership of Sage, and we have said it has a disproportionate number of mathematical modelers and a distinct lack of infectious disease control outbreak people who work at the coalface and definitely a distinct lack of a director of public health or public health person who works again at the coalface because such people such generalists working at a local level have a tremendous amount of working knowledge 
which they can input at the top table. I think it is a failing not to have such um, diverse range of people also included on mm. SAGE meetings. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Jonathan Portis is Professor of Economics at King's College London. Uh, Jonathan, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening. Um, there's nothing else they can do about this, but I, I'm, I, I don't know if they're, they're complaining about it, like P&O are moaning today. But in this situation, there really isn't very much anybody can do, surely. Well, I think the interesting thing here, or the, the, the distressing thing here, is that British Airways had already placed lots of staff on furlough um, because they were doing exactly what the government wanted them to do, which was not to sack people, but to um, keep on paying them, um, mostly with yeah. government help, and hope that things would get better. And what British Airways have essentially said is, we're not sufficiently think, confident things will get better anytime soon to even do that. So we're actually going to be looking at making redundancies. Why do they um, think it won't get better? Is it, is, do they think psychologically well, that, people won't want to travel after? That's a very good question. And it's not clear to me whether this is because British Airways think that this is a permanent shock to the travel market. Um, perhaps they've taken notice of the, the idea, for example, that uh, which was floated in the Sunday papers, that people coming to this country might have to be in quarantine for two weeks in the future. Hmm. And I think it's pretty safe to say that if, if that happens, the impact on both on people coming here as tourists and people, uh, be, um, British people going abroad as tourists is going to be pretty massive because who's hmm. going to want to be in quarantine for two weeks um, after? Well, it's an impossibility, isn't it, really? Yes. But I mean, I think um, there have to be some checks on what people have got, if anything, coming into this country in future. Well, I think once we have, once we've dealt with our problem and remember it's not not necessarily thing you want to do now because we actually have the highest mortality rate in the world bar none as far as i can tell right at the moment so worrying about foreigners bringing it in is is not top of the agenda but when we do in due course um, get to the point where we have suppressed it here then there almost certainly will be more checks on people coming here and perhaps british airways are thinking well that's going to go on for a while we um you know we cannot be confident of when if ever business is going to get back to anything like normal and therefore we've got to start now in putting our business in a position um to uh, to take account of that and that sadly means these large-scale redundancies so they've moved from this it's going to be temporary, let's put people on furlough too. It's probably going to be permanent. We need to sack people. And that obviously is very worrying. Mm. Well, I think I think people have realised how much cleaner the atmosphere is since all of this started and probably won't fly quite as much as they used to. Mm. Well, uh, I mean, I think there's... There, remember, there, I think you're talking about two different things here. Um, it's not uh, planes that pollute the atmosphere in cities like London, they contribute to global warming, uh, which obviously is the biggest long-term issue, and there's a set of issues there. But the reason why London and cities like London are much, uh, the air is much cleaner is because we're not driving cars anymore. And mm. factories, and aren't, factories aren't operating as well, a lot of factories. Yeah, and, well, maybe a lot of people are going to find that they can work from home after this is all mm. over. Mm. Yes, and that's interesting. I mean, th this is the big question for economists like me. We know what's happening now which is a very large proportion of the economy has been shut down by 
government order because of a health crisis. And equally, we know that in time, whether it's two months or four months, that will pass um, and the government will, uh, we will um, get back to, uh, to work and to the economy functioning normally. What we don't know is whether there will be these long-term structural shifts in the economy. Will many of us, more, more of us, decide that actually we quite like working from home or mm. will we decide collectively that actually um, it's nice to have a city with less traffic and that's less polluted and maybe we should do something about this permanently? We actually don't know that yet. Uh, none of us know mm. the answer. But that's a really big question which we'll have to face up to in the next six months or a year when the when the health crisis is over. Well, there's a fear. I mean, I'm coming into work at the moment. It's not that scary. But once you start seeing other people coming in and it starts filling up, that's when you start getting a bit scared. You go, well, who's got this and who's got that, you know? So it is mm. psychological. But, I mean, what, what, what about other other airlines? Other airlines will have the same problems, won't they? And this will lead on to airports having problems. I mean, we might not need another runway now at uh, Heathrow and stuff like that. It's all going to affect all kinds of things. That's right. So you could have these very... If, if um, there is this big hit to travel, tourism going forward, then that's a, it's a big structural shift. I mean, you know, London in particular, um, it's not just airports and, air, and, and airlines, but London's economy... Um, yeah. as a whole, depends to a very considerable extent on uh, tour travel and tourism, people coming in and going out all the time in very, very large numbers. If that falls a lot, um, that's going to be a big deal. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Well, first it would be 0344-499-1000. Slapchat. Yeah. Of course, I'm doing what my. What about Pablo? Don't, my you get him, don't you get the, the manservant to do that? I've got a manservant. Oh, sorry, no, sorry, no, I know, sorry, I know. You don't. We don't mention you mention it. Yeah. I'm going to the pub. Uh, the pubs are all Friday, shut, aren't they? You're, delir um, you're delirious. I'm, I'm going to the pub on Friday, whether you like it or not. But it's a bit shut, wouldn't it? Shall I lay out this T-shirt yes. with the tea stains down the no, front? No, no, no. I want the other one. They see the one, the soiled one there, the yellow soiled one. Good evening, gentlemen. It's infectious disease expert. Ah, oh, that's even better. Yeah. 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 And easier to say. That's very good. E yes, rather than virologist. But anyway. Phil told me to be upset about it. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I'm blame, not really. Blame but the Phil, producer. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, do you do everything Phil tells you? Well, he's the producer after. Keep your distance, thank you, baked potato. That was uh, the clips for today, the worst of Whale, or sorry, sorry, the best of James Whale. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed them. Well, I suppose if you didn't enjoy them, you won't be listening, will you? Anyway, I'll be back 7 o'clock until 10, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. <laughs>